Have you ever had the feeling you were being watched? My name is August Cruz. A few years ago, I wrote a book called Stalker. It's a fiction about a man who becomes obsessed with a woman he's never actually met. Like most fictions, however, the story has its roots in real stalking cases. Over 25 million people have experienced stalking in their lifetime. Today, we're going to explore one of those cases. Hello, everyone. I'm August Cruz, and welcome to episode five of My Favorite Prey. Let's just jump right into it tonight, shall we? How many of you have heard of a bizarre love triangle? No, not the song by New Order, although that is a pretty catchy tune. No, I mean an actual love triangle. Ever been caught up in one of those? Basically, it's boy meets girl, they wind up together, then boy meets another girl, and they end up together. First girl finds out about second girl, boy gets caught but nobody leaves the situation, and it keeps going like a ball in a pinball machine, back and forth all over the place. Of course, this also applies to girl meets boy, winds up with boy, meets another boy, she winds up with him as well, first boy finds out about second boy, but nobody goes anywhere, and back to the pinball machine. Then there's the whole boy meets boy and girl meets girl and, well, pinball. You get what I mean. In essence, a love triangle is where three people are involved in some sort of intimate relationship. They each kind of know about the other. Sometimes it's out in the open, sometimes it's clandestine. Sometimes, unfortunately, it leads to dire results. In the case of Lisa Michelle Lambert, it led to the stalking and eventual murder of 16-year-old Laurie Shaw. We've all experienced teen love, right? Remember passing notes during class and waiting for the answer? I mean, nowadays it's via text or TikTok or whatever, but the feeling is the same. Sometimes, though, you find out, and then it goes from there. A date, a kiss, on and on. Eventually, everyone knows that you're a couple. A teenage Ross and Rachel, so to speak, with all the back and forth and the we-were-on-a-break themes attached. It was no different with Lisa Michelle Lambert and Lawrence Butch Youngkin. On the morning of December 20th, 1991, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, Hazel Show had been called by her daughter's school counselor to discuss things in relation to her daughter. When the guidance counselor failed to show up at the meeting, Hazel went back home. What she found when she got there, however, was every parent's worst nightmare. And I looked over, and um, she was on the floor. Oh. And there was lots of blood around her. So she had a rope around her neck. So I ran to the kitchen, got a knife and went in and slipped my fingers under the rope and cut it. And she moaned. Um, at that time, I saw that um, her throat was cut. So I basically uh, cradled her in my arms, trying to hold her together. That was Hazel 
show on discovering her daughter's Laurie's body. Despite the fact that her throat was cut and that she had a rope around her neck, Laurie managed to identify the person who had done this to her. There was one name. Michelle. Lisa Michelle Lambert. Lisa and Lawrence had been dating a while. They had separated just before the summer of 1991, which is when Lawrence, the Lothario, started dating Laurie. It didn't last long, though. See, Lawrence wasn't exactly a smooth operator. In fact, he was downright lousy in the way he treated women. Witnesses testified later that they had seen Lawrence actually pull a former girlfriend into another room during a party and yell at her. So, he wasn't exactly the type of guy you'd bring home to meet the folks. The romance between Lawrence the Leech and Laurie soured quickly. Laurie would confess to her mother later that Lawrence had actually date-raped her. Unfortunately, no legal action was pursued, and this dirtbag went back to dating Lisa. Lisa wasn't happy when she found out that her knight in crappy armor had dated Laurie. Despite the fact that she was pregnant with Lawrence's baby, yeah, you heard me. She felt threatened by Laurie was convinced that Laurie was out to get Larry the Loser back. Nothing could be further from the truth, as Laurie had absolutely zero interest in getting back together with a misogynistic rapist like Larry. She had also said that she was afraid of Lisa and didn't want anything to do with either of them. She just wanted to focus on school and move on with her life after what had happened with Lawrence. Nevertheless, Lisa started stalking Laurie. She would make harassing phone calls and would even show up at Laurie's job to embarrass and humiliate her in front of everyone. In fact, she even threw her against a glass window, making Laurie hurt her wrist. Witnesses even testified later that Lisa was heard to say that she wanted to scare Laurie, then hurt her, then slit her throat. Pretty maniacal, uh, I mean, methodical. For a 19-year-old, huh? The plan was for Lisa and her friend Tabitha Buck, then 17, to lure Laurie's mom, Hazel, out of the house so they could scare Laurie and kill her. On the morning of December 20th, 1991, that's exactly what they did. Once they made a phony phone call as Laurie's guidance counselor requesting a meeting with her, Hazel left the house at 6.45 in the morning. She never thought, nor could she have ever imagined, that it would be the last time that she would see her daughter alive. Ah, let's not forget good old Larry. This pathetic excuse for a human being drove Lisa and Tabitha to Lori's house that morning. When they saw that Hazel had left, Lisa and Tabitha made their way to the house while Lawrence went and grabbed something to eat at a nearby McDonald's. As he chowed down on whatever McSandwich he ordered, Tabitha knocked on the show's front door. When Laurie answered, obviously oblivious to what was waiting for her on the other side, the detestable duo forced their way inside. Lisa started berating Laurie and became physical. Laurie was taken completely off guard, of course, and had no idea what was going on. 
she was just getting ready to go to school and start her day like every other teenager that day. Lisa, on the other hand, had another idea. They got Lori on the floor and tied a rope around her neck. Tabitha sat on her leg so she couldn't get up. Not being content with possibly just strangling Lori and scaring the ever-loving hell out of her, Lisa brandished a knife. Despite Lori's pleas, Lisa stabbed her multiple times, even puncturing a lung before finally making a five-inch gash to her throat. The autopsy would later show that Lori's left common carotid artery had been severed. Once they were satisfied, Lisa and Tabitha left and were picked up by Lawrence a few minutes later. They decided to blow up some steam at a bowling alley they would often frequent. You know, a little post-murder game of ten-pin. A little while later, Hazel would return, where a neighbor told her that he had heard a lot of commotion and yelling coming from her apartment. She quickly went inside and found her beautiful 16-year-old daughter bleeding to death on the floor. Despite her best efforts, as you heard, there was nothing she could do but cradle her little girl and listen as Laura used the last bit of her strength to tell her mother who had done this to her. Michelle did it. Michelle did it. I love you. Paramedics arrived quickly enough, but by then it was too late. Laurie's show was gone. Police caught up with and arrested Lisa, Lawrence, and Tabitha at the bowling alley. Once they started making statements to the police, what happened to Laurie was pretty clear with the exception of the role that Lawrence played. Lawrence claimed that when he picked them up, he noticed blood on Lisa's hand and helped her get rid of bloody clothing in the Susquehanna River at Arrowhead Marina. He claimed he didn't realize the gravity of what happened. Right. Your girlfriend, pregnant girlfriend, has blood on her hands, bloody clothing, that you helped get rid of, but had no idea of what had happened. Well, who knows, maybe his brain was probably McClogged. Due to the fact that Lisa had stalked Laurie for months leading up to the murder, police were focused on her as the primary suspect. Lisa claimed that she hadn't killed Laurie, but only watched as Lawrence and Tabitha carried out the murder. Yeah, she was blaming them. She claimed that she had endured physical and emotional abuse from Lawrence and was afraid to go against anything he said. So while Lawrence and Tabitha killed Laurie, Lisa claimed that she stood by helpless and watched. Of course, both Lawrence and Tabitha denied this, and so began a complicated case of the blame game, with each person claiming innocence. Well... The case made headlines, and the trial was covered by every news media outlet. Pretty much became a long and drawn-out case, landing on the desks of different judges who each had their own interpretation of what happened and how the attorneys represented their clients. There were rulings that were overturned and countless appeals. 
In the end, however, here's what happened to the terrifying trio. Let's start with Larry. 21-year-old Lawrence Yunkin was sentenced in October of 1992 to 10 to 20 years after pleading guilty to third-degree murder. At least he owned up to it, right? He was paroled in 2004 after serving 12 years. Tabitha Buck was found guilty of second-degree murder and was sentenced to life in prison. This sentence was later overturned, however, because the state decided that since Tabitha was a minor at the time, she could not be given a life sentence. She was paroled in December of 2019 after serving 28 years in prison. How nice. These two... <laughs> wonderful members of society are now out and about. Free as a bird. Ah, and of course there's little Lisa. Ah, yeah. Lisa, Lisa. In July of 1992, Lisa was found guilty of first-degree murder and sentenced to life in prison. Her troubles only started there, however. In 2007, she sued the correctional facility she was incarcerated in over claims that she was raped and assaulted by a prison staff member. Her claims were validated, and she got a $35,000 settlement. The guard who was accused served a one-and-a-half to three-year sentence. I know what some of you might be thinking. Well, she had it coming because of what she did and her participation, obviously, in Lori's murder. I don't know. It's kind of a touchy subject. I agree that she should have been incarcerated. Raped? I don't know. Well, I'll leave that up to you. Lisa continues to proclaim her innocence. In 2016, she published a book about the case from her perspective. Let's just say it wasn't exactly a New York Times bestseller. The story was also made into a movie. Again, not exactly Oscar material. As for Hazel's show, Lori's mother, after the trial she took it upon herself to campaign for stronger stalking laws in Pennsylvania. Her efforts did not go unnoticed, and fortunately, fortunately, new anti-stalking laws were signed into effect in June of 1993. It's one thing to be jealous of someone you feel might be a threat to your relationship. Being jealous is a normal human emotion. If it gets to the point where you obsess over it, though, then it ceases to be normal, and the potential for someone getting seriously hurt, or even killed, as in Laurie's case, becomes a very real possibility. There's no relationship that's worth hurting someone or taking someone's life. If your significant other does nothing to alleviate your concerns, hell, you might want to reevaluate your relationship. You might come up with a plan to destroy someone and put yourself and others in trouble with the law. That's why love triangles seldom work out in anyone's favor. Look, this is just my advice, just my two cents. It's really just best to avoid a love triangle. And instead, keep it as a circle between you and your love. It's going to do it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as you can. 
If you or anyone you know have experienced a stalker or think you may have, please don't hesitate to contact Safe Horizon at 800-621-HOPE. That's 800-621-4673. They're available 24 hours a day, and even if they aren't in your city, they can help you get in touch with a local support center. Take care of yourselves. Watch your surroundings. And I hope you'll join me again.